Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight for us to be with you today on this Tuesday of June 30, 30th of 2020. As always, it is a pleasure to uh, have you join us today, our listeners from whatever part of the world you are joining us today. We are so happy that you can study the Word of God today. As we continue in our study, uh, yesterday, Monday, we began our study on John chapter 3, and uh, as Brother Marty began to lay some um, some uh, groundwork uh, historically of things that are uh, 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 how we got to that point where the conversation at night came between Nicodemus and Jesus. So we're excited to continue uh, this conversation, this study in the Word of God. And I know God is going to take us to places and allow us to see things that maybe we have never considered concerning this story. So we want to give full uh, attention to the Word of God today. As always, it is a pleasure to be with our panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart today as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're coming to you with part two, uh, Nicodemus at night, uh, begun to call it, uh, we called it Nicodemus yesterday, uh, just Nicodemus. Today, I think we'll call it Nicodemus at night. Um, Jeremy, would you read to us uh, John chapter three, verse uh, one and two again? Yes. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher that comes from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou dost, except God be with him. And then Jesus in verse 30, uh, th- uh, excuse me, Jesus in verse 3, answered and said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. So we want to talk again uh, today, as I was meditating on these things uh, last night, throughout the day, and this morning. uh, I really felt like the Lord took me back even further. We laid some groundwork, looked at some background things, but he began to, to talk to me in my spirit, I should say or at least I began to think of it this way as he, as I believe he influenced my heart to think, um, that it's it's really an incredible thing that we're we're being shown here by John in this in this meeting of of the son of the living God and one of the elite members of the ruling class in Israel known as Nicodemus. We talked about his qualifications as a a member of the Sanhedrin, which was an exclusive group that had been established in the time of the Exodus, when Moses was overcome by by having to take care of all the people in the wilderness, not only leading them and guiding them, not only seeking God on their behalf or writing out the Torah and all the things he was responsible for. They also used to come to his tent and try to settle dispute, you know, some almost two million people in the wilderness there, they say. Uh, and so he was just overwhelmed and, and cried out to God, and, and God appointed this, this exclusive uh, band of helpers for Moses, uh, 70 elders uh, that were chosen, men of, of great depth and great wisdom, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and they became the Sanhedrin. By the time Jesus shows up, they had been in existence for thousands of years, really, and and really held together the uh, the nation as a whole, their, their responsibilities, their 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 uh, their duties uh, range from everything from from verifying spiritual signs to uh, making choices and decisions based on commerce in any given area of Israel to sitting as judges uh, over the people, and they even appointed what they called the the little Sanhedrin under them. Uh, they were judges. Uh, that were sprinkled throughout the different provinces from uh, the north of Israel to the south, all the way to Jerusalem and Beersheba. So this Nicodemus that comes to Jesus at night, 
he comes with <clears throat> with the sense of of an aristocracy of, of of a royal pedigree himself, highly privileged, highly respected, and and so when these two meet, it's it's an incredible sense that I want us to see and get because what goes on to be revealed in the next few verses as we've been discussing is is probably the most famous scripture as we talked about yesterday, and you guys jump in anytime you want. Uh, John 3.16, where he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus speaks these words this night to Nicodemus. And so it's really fascinating to me because I think that we must understand that the extraordinary events that suddenly broke into the times of the generation at, at the first appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that we have to look at, at at what led up to this, and we did a little bit of that yesterday. But I just want to review uh, some some interesting things that I think will lend a uh, you know a great weight to the scene. And it's important to understand because many times we can read the scripture and we just read right through, and and we don't get a sense or a flavor or the seasoning of the spirit of God and what's actually being conveyed here. The drama of it, the weightiness of it, the the background of it. So let's just take a look at a few things because understand that this meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus uh, followed about uh, 25 years, 30 years of, of events that began to happen in Israel. And why this is important is because Nicodemus would have been alive when these events were taking place. So when he finally comes to, to inquire of the Lord, all that had been building up, leading up to that meeting that night, has to be factored in in our understanding and why the level of the conversation went to the depth that it did. So as I was thinking about these things, I thought, okay, uh, let's let's take a look at the, at the background. And, and to do that, we need to go all the way back um, to the first kinds of things that began to happen, things that Nicodemus would be aware of and the Sanhedrin would be aware of. Remember, as we talked about yesterday, that there was there was approximately 400 years of history that, that transpired between the closing of the book of Malachi, the prophet, and the opening of the book of Matthew, for example, or the, or the gospel story. And so we have over 400 years of an established religious hierarchy that developed after this, the, the return of the captives who had gone captive into Babylon under the judging hand of God. When they returned after 70 years, they began the construction of the second temple. Uh, there's in your book, in your Bible, you can read in, in, in the story of the prophet Haggai, for example, his book. He kind of references that when he, he talks about... Uh, you know how the elders uh, would weep because uh, when the temple was rebuilt, it wasn't anything near the same thing that had been rebuilt under the time of Solomon. And so they cried. The, the, the elders cried. The young people shouted for joy. And, and so you had a mixture of crying and, and weeping at the same time. But the prophet steps into us and says, who is there among you that remembers? That's in the book of Haggai. You can read it. He says, who is there among you that remembers this house, this temple in its former glory? He says, how do you see it now? And then he goes on to tell them that the glory of this house will be greater than the glory of the house that was before. So the prophet by the Spirit of God was already prophesying that the second temple that would be rebuilt, which would be, which would be the temple that Jesus would walk into uh, all those years later, some several hundred years later, four or five hundred years later, um, would be that a glorious temple greater than Solomon's temple, not because of the structures and the buildings, although those were magnificent by the time Jesus walked into it, but because the Lord himself would walk into it. And that is why the prophet Haggai said that. So by the time we get to, to the New Testament, we have a well-entrenched, well-established religious system, completely... Uh, in charge, uh, not only of the temple structure itself, which had now grown to massive proportions, 
which stretched out for probably about a, a mile square, maybe two miles square if you encompassed everything else in it. Um, but it, it, it also had grown into a hierarchy that had the high priest and the Sanhedrin really ruling with an incredible amount of absolute control from the top of Israel to the bottom. They only answered to one power, and that was Rome. And so when you have this select elite group, you have people that are very aware of what's going on. And in their day, man, I mean, you know, to survive, you had to be politically astute. You had to be uh, uh, skilled in many other uh, areas of survival really, in the times they were living in. So nothing, uh, I'm saying all that to say nothing got by their notice, especially if it occurred in the temple. So that's, that, that brings us to what we're talking about real quickly here. And, that, and that's that it began to happen that after 400 years, pretty much of no, and, uh, of no outward like revival or great uh, prophetic word going forward like the prophets of old, it was by and large silent. There were events like the Maccabees uh, overthrow of Antiochus Epiphanes and, and certain miraculous signs that would happen the establishing of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Herodian dynasty, the rise of the Roman Empire, all of that transpired over 400 years. But by the time we get to the beginning of the of the New Testament and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we basically have um, a situation where we have a well-entrenched world power, we have a well-entrenched political system, and an incredibly uh, well-entrenched spiritual or religious system uh, with Jerusalem as its capital, and so, but by and large, it, it had it had basically come down to sacrifice and offering, and you know, let's go to the feast at Passover, Pentecost, and the feast of Tabernacles. It became religion, tradition, uh, and, and writing. Like said, brother, brother Marty, unbothered religion. Uh, yeah, that's good. Common, yeah, you know, for 400 years, right, and a monopoly of ministry. And like you said very well, again, we're trying to get, give the people a picture of what it was in those days. Nothing happened. If you were a preacher on the come up, you know, on, on the up and up, as they say, you're coming up the ranks, <laughs> right. they would know about it. Right? Yes. They would know about right. it. And, 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 and so that's why, like you said, the, the flavor of what was taking place in that day, we have to be uh, well aware with it to fully understand Christ's ministry and, and you know, uh, the, the extremity or the extreme nature of Nicodemus going to visit Jesus at night. So I just wanted to bring that forth. That's really cool because him actually taking that journey through the night, and we'll get to that in a second, but, but taking that journey you pointed out there, it placed his own life in jeopardy he he, he <laughs> which is why he came at night right. you know because if his peers uh you know if Caiaphas or Annas got wind of this what are you doing man you know I mean that's that well but we'll talk about that in a second but yeah that's an excellent point to make so let's let's consider that I like what you said there because nothing escaped what was going on because it meant the survival uh of themselves remember when we were talking earlier on in March when we were dealing about uh, the betrayal of Jesus and his crucifixion, which is the conclusion they came to in John chapter 11, somewhere in there in 12. There's a meeting between Caiaphas and all these leaders, right? And, and it, it, it's Caiaphas who's the first one who tells everybody, hey, it's better that one man should die for the whole nation, right? Than the nation perish and the Romans come and, and take away our nation. And then he said this, he said, or take away our place, right? You remember that scripture that I'm talking yes. about? Let's look it up. You know where that is? It's in John chapter 11, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So this is after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Can you read that to Brother Jeremy? John chapter 11. Jesus, just to give you a flavor of what these guys were like. John chapter 11, verse uh, 46 through... Um, yeah, through 50. Just read that for context. Okay. It says, But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Speaking then of Lazarus, gathered the, is, 
Wait, wait, so that's speaking of Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. So when we read right there, it says uh, they went to tell the Pharisees uh, in Jerusalem uh, what things Jesus had done. So keep going, just to give them context behind that. Yes. It says, then gathered the the chief priest and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Heophas, being the high priest the same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. That's incredible, right? So this is the attitude Brother Fernando was pointing out. Nothing happens without their noticing. And they by this time, we're, we're like three years past the night we're talking about with Nicodemus and Jesus. But but we see their, who these men were in verse 47. These are the chief priests, the Pharisees. Uh, which is uh, the, the sect that Nicodemus was of, uh, as well as a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, they gather a council together, and, and they're trying to decide what to do. Because the, the appearance of Jesus Christ in his first ministry was such a profound uh, <laughs> upsetter of, 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 of the foundations that they had established over hundreds of right. years. It threatened their existence. Uh, and, 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 and it threatened their, their, uh, their control. Remember the parable that Jesus told about uh, how, how the husbandman who lent out the vineyard to, to certain men to take care of it, and he would send a servant asking, you know, where's the harvest for the vineyard? And they would kill the servant or send the servant back, treat him bad. And then he said, finally, he said, he'll send his son. He told him, I'll send my last son. And my only son, and surely they'll respect him. And he says, but when they see him, they're going to say, oh, this is the heir. Let us kill him so we can take over everything. And they got mad at Jesus for telling that story because they knew he was talking about them. Well, here's, right. here's the, here we see that attitude, right? They gather a council, and they're, and they're beginning to, to focus and, and ask questions. And then they said that in verse 48, if we leave him alone, everyone's going to believe on him. And listen what they say, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and the nation. So notice what, what they put as a priority. <laughs> the nation was second, right? <laughs> right? Right. It's our place we're really worried about. So anyway, we, we laid all Sounds that like the preachers of today. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, totally. You know, it, it's the same. It's the same spirit, at least. And yeah. it's the same power. That's why you hear yeah. us when we talk about the ruling religious elite or the ruling religious class. That's what we're talking about. It's a system. It's a spirit. It has nothing to do with God, but it always infiltrates the house of God. And so we said all that. Yeah. To say, this is, are you going to say something? No, no, I'm agreeing. Oh, okay. And and so this is where we are. And And, and so, again, let's take a look at this real quick. So after all this hierarchy is established and these centuries have gone by and, and it's become this tradition, this religion thing, uh, and they've settled in, you know, to just be what they are, uh, all of a sudden something happens at the temple in Jerusalem. And and you can find that on your own time, those of you that are listening, it's found in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1. But, but what an account is given there of the angel, the archangel Gabriel, appearing to a, a, a priest of, of the house of Aaron, Levi, uh, the tribe of Levi of the house of Aaron, where he's burning incense unto God in the holy place. And then and then the angel Gabriel appears and makes an announcement to him that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a son and that the spirit of Elijah is going to come upon this boy and he, when he grows up and enters into his public ministry, he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, the son of the living God, that, that he's going to preach the message of the coming of the Lord. 
Well, if you read that story in Luke chapter 1, what you realize is that uh, it also fills in information that he stayed so long inside there in that vision that the people outside were beginning to wonder what had happened to him. Uh, That is the priesthood, the priestly class, right? And so when he comes out, he can't talk. He can't talk because Gabriel uh, took away his ability to speak because he didn't believe what the Lord had told him was going to come to pass. Well, you, you know that that this event was discussed amongst the priests and the, and the Sanhedrin and the elders. What happened to Zacharias, man? You know, and now he's not talking and there's rumors he had a vision of an angel in there. So way back before this night that Nicodemus comes to see Jesus, already the Sanhedrin uh, and, and, the, and the people in the temple were being alerted that this is something's going on. Something has happened. A, 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 a miracle has happened. Well, from that point on, it would just be a few, uh, not too many months after that, that uh, that that suddenly there was there was movement of the planetary bodies in the heavens. We know it as the Star of Bethlehem. There were things in the constellations in the heavens that were happening. Remember, the angel Gabriel also had gone to Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, six months after he appeared. And, and Elizabeth had gotten pregnant with John the Baptist. Six months later, he goes to Mary and he appears to her. And he tells her, your, uh, your, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant with John. And, and she goes to visit her, remember? And you guys can read that. I'm not talking about you guys. I know you read that. You know what I'm talking about. But those of you listening, you can read that account in Luke chapter 1. And so Mary heads off and, and she becomes pregnant with the Lord, the Holy the holy conception of the Spirit overshadowing her. Well, the Bible tells us in in Matthew chapter 2 that during those seasons when Jesus was about to be born, John had already been born. He's three months older than Jesus. uh, That there were signs in the heavens, astronomical signs, planetary bodies moving in the heavens that not only got the attention of the of the uh, of the of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and so forth remember these men were experts in science in astronomy in mathematics they were uh, multilingual uh, they they spoke latin greek and hebrew they were scholars and geniuses of the day these were some pretty outstanding people here and they were seeing these things happen and then about a year uh, jesus is born and and remember what we're told that the angels, there's an angelic appearance in the hills outside Jerusalem to all the shepherds, right? And then the and and the angels tell the shepherds that unto you this day in the city of David is born a king, right, in Bethlehem. And so they go to find out what's happening. And the Bible tells us of the shepherds that that uh, I think that's Luke chapter two, somewhere in there, verse eight through seventeen. You'll read that account there. They go out and they begin to tell everybody in Judea, what had just happened to them, right? For, for for weeks, they go out and tell everybody, man, we had this angelic visitation. We went, we went to where the stable was. We found the baby just like the angels told us. So all of a sudden, my point is this, is that nothing spiritually happens, no heavenly sign, no rumor of miracles and God moving could possibly happen without these Pharisees these scribes and the Sanhedrin not knowing about it. And so then Jesus is born, right? And uh, and then about 18 months later, here comes riding into Jerusalem. And I know those of you who know your Bible know what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 2. And, and the whole city, as Matthew describes it, was shaken when the Magi came looking for Jesus, right? And yeah. when you read the account, you find out that the Pharisees were hanging out in the palace with Herod, right? Because yeah. he asked them, right? He, he starts asking them prophetic questions. Like, what's right. going on? Mm-hmm. Where, where's this baby? What about all this star? They even asked the Magi, what, what, what are you doing here? And, uh, and, and, and just for those of you out there that are listening, don't get the, the, uh, the mistaken, uh, you know, thing that they always show us at Christmas time, it was three guys riding on camels that came into Jerusalem. Trust me, that wouldn't shake right. the whole thing, right? When you actually do the history and look at it, you'll find out there was possibly a contingent of anywhere from 800 to almost 15 to two, 1,500 to 2,000, quite possibly people that came riding yeah. into Jerusalem from over 800 miles away. 
they came into Jerusalem and, and, and they were clothed in white. That's how they used to dress the Magi. These were the descendants of, of the Chaldeans and, and, the, and the magicians and the astrologers in Babylon, who, who Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah uh, had saved when yeah. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to kill all the wise men, right? Remember? He wanted to yeah. kill all the wise men. And Daniel, because he, he was able to hear from God and reveal the king's dream, they were spared. And so Daniel became incredibly revered amongst this group called the Magi. And, and uh, they followed Daniel's writings to the T. They handed it down from generation to generation. And according to, to the history I've read, these Magi, um, they were looking for particular uh, uh, signs in the heavens. We're going to talk a little bit this Friday about signs in the heavens. And, and the things that are happening as we enter into this 4th of July weekend. We're going to talk about some things that are happening in the world. We're going to talk about where we are prophetically speaking and what we're going to look forward uh, into the future uh, uh, this summer and, and heading into the fall because we believe God is, is, is speaking. But the point is this. So in Daniel's writings, they were told that things were going to happen of a prophetic nature and they could literally... Uh, from generation to generation, study the skies. And so when they came, they came as a result of what they saw in the sky. So there were celestial signs, and they set off from 800 miles away in Babylon over there in Iraq and began to come towards Jerusalem because the signs told them that a king had been born. And according to Daniel's writings, they knew that the Messiah, that's what they came looking for, the king of the Jews. And when they came into the city, they were all dressed in white because that's how they always dressed. But these were the famous um, kingmakers. That's what got everybody's attention. In the Gentile world, they would show up in the nations back then and they would anoint kings. They would come and do homage to kings. They didn't just set off because they didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> there they come. Right. And, and, and they come into Jerusalem. 18 months later, Jesus is about a year and a half old. And it shook Herod. The Pharisees were searching the scriptures. My point is this. Uh, they were there looking for the Messiah, for the king. And, and, and you know that if Herod was made aware of it, well, so was the Sanhedrin and the high priesthood and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers of the temple. They all knew. And, and, uh, and so God was speaking to them already. And they began to pay attention. Well, don't forget, after the after the shepherds went around telling everybody this baby had been born, remember when Jesus was born, at eight days old, he came into the temple to be circumcised. Mary and Joseph brought him into the temple at Jerusalem. And Jesus makes his first appearance in the temple at eight days old. And into this ceremony where they're circumcising because every firstborn male was holy unto the Lord according to the covenant of Abraham and so Mary and Joseph presented their eight-year-old baby Jesus to have him circumcised to enter into the covenant of the Jews to enter into the covenant of Abraham and at that moment you can read it in Luke chapter 2 it begins uh, verse 25 through 28 um, <clears throat> this greatly highly revered Pharisee named Simeon a priest of the Lord he comes into that ceremony and he takes the baby yes. Jesus out of the arms, right? And he holds Hallelujah. him up and, and prophesies over baby Jesus. And he says, this is a light unto the Gentiles. This, this child is set for the rising and falling of, of many, right? He's the glory of Israel. I mean, he's talking like that over this baby. And, and so the reverberations of that proclamation, not just from some old guy, but from Simeon. Even Josephus writes about him in his writings. This 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 one and, and his historians tell us that it's quite possible that he was actually the one that was supposed to be the high priest, but through the corruption of the Herodian dynasty and then the emergence of Caiaphas and Annas uh, into a high priesthood uh, that was bought and paid for by decree of the Roman Empire, that the whole system was corrupt. But the people knew who the high priest was. So when Simeon lifted up this baby, this baby Jesus, and began to proclaim that he had seen the Messiah that this was the Messiah, you can bet your bottom shekel, man, that it got back to the high priest and the, you know, the rumors were flying. Yes. 
but they paid attention because like we were talking about a few days ago, uh, every child that was born like that and presented at the temple, they kept meticulous records of his birth. And so that was made note of that all this is taking place with John the Baptist's daddy. You've got, you know, a, a, a few months later, you've got the Magi coming into town. You've got, uh, you know, the, the, the priest, Zacharias, couldn't talk after he had a vision from Gabriel. You've got Jesus being presented after his birth at eight days old and, and, and Simeon and Anna coming in there and, uh, and proclaiming him as the Messiah and telling everybody that Messiah was here. And then it goes silent. Pretty much, right? And 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 we don't hear from the Lord again until he's 12 years old, and then he comes at 12 years old, and again it's at Passover, which is very ironic. And at Passover, and you know the story, right? He gets he gets lost. <laughs> His parents leave him, and they thought he was hanging out with their cousins or something, and they they'd gone a few days journey, right? And they realize where is Jesus, and they go back looking for him. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, it, it, they find him. And where is he sitting? Brother Jeremy, can you read that? In chapter 2 yes. of Luke, verse 41, yes. I think it is. Yes. Let's see. It says, let me see. Yeah. Yes. Verse 41, chapter 2, is it? Yeah. Yeah, of chapter Luke. two. Yeah, chapter two of Luke. Uh, I think it's verse forty-four. Is that? No, start with verse forty-one. Forty-one. Okay. Yeah. All right. It says now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. There's that. And when Passover he was twelve again, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And when he was twelve years old. They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind him in, excuse me, behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey and they sought him among their king's folk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. In verse 47, And all that heard him were astonished, at his understanding and answers. His understanding and answers. That account, and I had Brother Jeremy read that, just again to get this sense of when Nicodemus goes to see Jesus, it's not just showing up haphazardly. There's been a, there's been a history of, of, of 30 years building up to this that they were paying attention. And so you have signs that were occurring amongst those that were the discerning from the celestial signs that brought the magi into Jerusalem that shook the whole city uh, to the to the slaying of the children in fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy that the babies would be killed to the shepherds going throughout Judean hills telling them that they had had angelic visitation and they had actually seen the Messiah as the angel had told them to Simeon who should have been the high priest declaring in public, there in the temple, this is the Messiah. These kinds of things, not to mention John the Baptist's father, so forth and so on, who came out and couldn't speak and all that stuff, it got the attention of the ruling class, and they paid attention. And so now we have Jesus at 12, sitting with the doctors of the law. We're not talking about you know, some guy named Bubba with a with a two you know with a trailer that preaches to five people and Jesus kind of stumbles in and listens to him preach. No, we're talking about the doctors of the law. We're talking about yeah. the expert theologians, geniuses in the Torah mm-hmm. and in and in and in the Tanakh, in the Bible of the Jews, geniuses. And now this twelve year old boy uh is sitting there and the Bible says that the questions that he was asking and the answers he was giving 
blew them away. <laughs> they just, I mean, I mean, sincerely now, these are men who literally could recite the entirety of the Torah by memory. I mean, literally, from the first five books of Moses, they could speak that Torah by memory. And here comes a 12-year-old boy and absolutely blows them away, not only by mm. what he answered the questions they asked, but the kinds of questions he was asking asking them. And 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 when his parents finally find him, they they overheard what he said. They said, "Well, son, we were looking for you, right? Look at verse uh, verse uh, 48, right? And when they saw their son or they saw Jesus, they were amazed. And his mother said, son, why have you dealt with us like this? Behold, your father I've, and I have sought thee sorrowing. But look what he said in their presence of the doctors of the law. How is it that you were looking for me? Didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? And that is profound because he totally ignored Joseph as his father and appealed to a different father. And that got the attention of these doctors of the law. They began to pay attention to this kid. <laughs> they went back and looked at his records. Who are these people? And everything that had been happening for the last decade, really, from from Zechariah's uh, you know, appearance of Gabriel in the temple to all the other things that have been, been happening. Here it is. And then he disappears for 18 years, right? He's gone after this. The Bible goes on to say. Are you guys there? <laughs> yes. yes. So 18 years later, brother, then we have John the Baptist suddenly out in the wilderness about a mile away or two miles away from the temple in Jerusalem, and he begins to preach. And do you remember in John chapter 1, uh, the Pharisees and, and the Sanhedrin and the elite from Jerusalem sent a contingent of priests and scribes and Pharisees to John to ask him who he was, right? Suddenly, yeah. uh, they begin to inquire. They begin to suspect something is going on and the message he's preaching. And then John reveals Right, John reveals something to them. Can you read that to us? When they send uh, the, the, these uh, these this contingent from the Sanhedrin, from the Pharisees, from the scribes, the, the elite at the temple of Jerusalem, they send them to John's baptism, and he begins to tell them. They begin to ask him, "Are you with the Messiah? Are you, are you? Who are you?" And and they knew who he was. They knew that this is Zechariah's son. Thirty years later. Nicodemus is very familiar, and the Sanhedrin is very – it's only been 30 years, okay? So most of these men started their ministries in their 30s and early mid-30s, but by now they're in their uh, mid-60s or, or late 50s. So they have lived this yeah. history. They've lived yeah. this history. Nicodemus, as well as his cronies, man, they've lived this history. And they send they send them out to John because they knew that's Zacharias' son. He's the one who didn't want to come to our Bible college, right? <laughs> yeah he went i heard he went crazy man he just went out in the desert no one's heard of him for 25 years but now he's out there preaching and then he has the audacity to be wearing camel's hair he thinks he's elijah he's crazy well, you better go see him because because all these people are going out to hear him man <laughs> you know and he's yeah. baptizing yeah. a whole bunch of people in the river jordan right, right. <laughs> Uh, see, this is important to get this background because when Nicodemus shows up, it's with all that behind it. You gonna say something, brother Marty? Yeah, I, I just even in the it appears there's a silence right from the age of twelve to thirty, but even in those eighteen years that you mentioned, the Bible does give us a hint of of what was going on in verse fifty-two of chapter two of Luke, where we read, where it says that yeah. Jesus increased in wisdom. And stature, and look at mm -hmm. this, and in father and in favor with God and man. So he was and being man. observed, right? Yes, you know, very he, much. So. They noticed something in him, a call, right? And and but just even uh, my point was just to say that even in those eighteen years, something was happening. He didn't like just disappear from the map or something. No, he was right. He was being right. looked at. He was being observed because he increased in favor with God and man. I just wanted to bring that out yeah man that's powerful brother and and then you yeah and so they 
So then they send uh, they send John. John shows up and he starts preaching. And and like we were just saying, they had to they had to find out what was going on here. Why don't you read that to us? And uh, let's start with what we're talking about. And we're almost done. We're gonna we're gonna pick up part three tomorrow, but we won't get in as lengthy a, a background as it. But I I just feel like it's something we need to look at because when when Nicodemus makes his way to Jesus the night in question here, it's with about 28 years of history and events yeah. and and incredible events that got the attention of the ruling religious elite. And when Nicodemus mm-hmm. comes that night to visit Jesus, it's with all that behind him that he that, right. that he begins to speak with Christ. So here we are. He's out in the middle of the desert preaching after after all this time. And, and they know this is Zechariah's boy, right? I mean, this is this is the one who didn't want to come be part of the Levitical priesthood. And the rumor has it he went kind of crazy. You know, his mom and dad aren't, aren't here anymore. They were really old when he was born to begin with. But but he's just gone out there on his own. He's just out there hanging out in the wilderness. And, and now he shows up. The Bible describes it as the time of his showing forth. Everything was moving to this moment, and then they and it's so successful with his ministry that they had to send a contingent from from the Sanhedrin, from the Pharisees, right? And they come to him and they ask him uh, the, the the question. Read verse nineteen, would you? Uh, chapter one, verse nineteen, Jeremy. Yes, it says, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask headquarters who right? headquarters are thou? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Their, their, their whole world is, is being turned upside down over the last three decades that's what we're mm-hmm. looking at here you know when, when all this began to happen Nicodemus was probably around 30 but now that John is here he's somewhere in his late 50s early 60s and, and so are the group of Sanhedrin leaders in varying stages of the, of their ministry now, but they're they've seen stuff that <laughs> they've searched the scriptures, they've gone back in the genealogical records, and 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 now here we are, and now we see stuff happening that's completely outside the establishment, outside the house of God, outside their control, and they're worried, and and there there are people that are that haven't seen signs, you know, for hundreds of years until the past couple decades, things started happening. And now they're right. now this is getting out of control, right? I mean, you've got people coming out <laughs> for, instead of going to, <laughs> to the temple, they're coming out to the wilderness to get baptized by this crazy guy whose face is, his face is cracked with the lines of being in the desert for 25 years. You know, he's got little locust legs hanging from his teeth, you know. He eats locusts and wild honey, clothed in camel's hair, and he's preaching a fiery message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so they send from Jerusalem. That's headquarters, man. That's like Rome of today, right, if you were a Catholic. I mean, they'd be sending them from Rome, and that's like, that's the top of the top. And they send them out there, and they want to know who he is. And 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 he and he read what he and said, he, brother Mark and brother Marty. Before yes. you uh, get into that scripture, you know, and this, maybe there's some people listening, and they they may say, well, I just don't see the the connection here. You know, okay, that was in Jesus' day. That's not happening in our day. The, the, <laughs> the religious establishment doesn't act like this. Okay. Uh, you, you you may say that, but what the Holy Spirit is telling us is that the word is prophetic, and as it was yeah. then, it's going to happen again. It's already happening if you have eyes to see. But yeah. what we're also declaring is that it's going to come to the forefront even more yeah. if you have eyes to see. You're going to begin to see this kind of uh, uh, activity from the religious establishments towards those who... Uh, preach really the coming of the Lord in 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 a message of repentance, just like John the Baptist did. So these these are things that are happening right now, and they are going to uh, increase as as we go forth in in the middle of all this chaos that's taking place in our nation. So you know, you just wait. This is what the Lord is saying. The scriptures we have eyes to see. It's happening. It's happening. Yes. 
another that's a really, another layer. Go ahead. go ahead, brother Marty. I'm sorry, but no, no, that's all right. Oh, I was going to say another layer uh, as you were speaking, brother Fernando, to to add to this is the fact just how much control these um, Pharisees had, even concerning who was allowed to come into the temple and who was not allowed. So what right. we learn too mm-hmm. from from the side of the people is that the people lived in fear. I mean, they lived in fear of these men because they controlled what they could do. They had to, that's how much control they had and what they could hear or, or what. So they would threaten them and, and, and say, we're, we're going to take you out of our synagogues and so forth. And all of this adds a layer to to how daring what what Nicodemus did when he came to Jesus, just what was at stake, you know, uh, yeah. everything for him. But, you know, that's another Everything. layer to understand that people lived in, in fear because these men had a control who, you know, who 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 goes in the temple, who doesn't. Well, yeah, that's right. And and to, you know, lend weight to that, what you're saying is also is, is when he came in, when Jesus came that day, uh, that 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 evening and, and drove mo- uh, the money changers out of the temple. When he first appeared on the very first Passover, he had, he announced himself. Remember what they came and said? By what authority do you do this? Mm. What sign do you yeah, give us? That's good. Right, and and yeah. and that's what they were asking him. Really, uh, I was reading from a, a brother who wrote in the 1800s, uh, and he talked about the uh, the system behind the ability to do anything in the temple. It had to be approved by the Sanhedrin. It had to be approved by the council. There had to be uh, papers given in order for you to to even speak in the temple. You had to have permission uh, to speak there, and and you had to have uh, two or three witnesses verify your ministry before you'd be allowed to speak. And so when Jesus announces his ministry to these guys, I mean, and he goes in there and just just whips them and beats them and kicks them out of the house. That's why they came to him and said, "Hey, what is what sign do you get? What are you doing? You know." It's like you're just totally, you're messing with what minister what minister license? Who gave you your minister license? Because we sure did it. Right? That's exactly what they were saying to him. Was that, you know, you don't have authority here. So when he goes on and talks to Nicodemus and he says, you know, we've testified of, of what we've seen and, and heard and that's what he's talking about. I have validity to be in my father's house and, and the sign and the authority comes from the witness that people have been talking Mm. to you about for 30 years. (laughs) You've Mm. seen the witness. You have had the verification of my ministry. You just can't see it because you need to be born again, Nicodemus. So John, you know, they come and they send this contention to him. And then John says something really interesting. He says, I'm only a voice crying in the wilderness, right? Verse 23. And and then in verse 20, verse 24, it says, um, they that were sent uh, were of the Pharisees, right? Verse 24? Yes, yes. It says, they that were sent uh, were of the Pharisees. Would you read 24 to 26? Would you read that? Yes. It says, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, why baptize thou then if thou be not? that Christ, nor Elijah, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. That's what he, he told them. This one has been coming, and he's been walking uh, in the temple for the last 30 years. Because, you know, Jesus fulfilled the law. He came for every Passover, every Pentecost, every tabernacle was his requirement right his family came as was their custom that's why they pointed out when he was 12 it was the feast day joseph and mary were there he's been coming for 30 years and and john says but you haven't recognized who he really is and you don't even know who he is but he's there so when they come back from john's ministry that day and they come back to those who sent him from headquarters and they ask him what did he say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, right. he, he said 
he started talking about something about some guy with a fan in his hand, and he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. <laughs> and then he, then he goes on and says he's, the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every every tree that bears not fruit, he's gonna hew down and cast into the fire. He's gonna fan his floor and separate the wheat from the. Ch- My God, that's what they heard, right? And called his vipers. Yeah, incredible, right? So, so yeah, man. So here we have, you know, and 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 then and then we come up to the very first Passover, which we talked about yesterday, right? When Jesus comes yeah. into the temple, the first thing he does—it's another Passover. It's the very first Passover of his public ministry, and he announces himself on the evening of the slaying of the Passover lamb. And, you know, he wasn't going to be the lamb that day, but he was the lamb of God. And he came into the temple the very first year because it would be three years from the time of this meeting with Nicodemus. And he cleanses yeah. the temple. We talked about that yesterday. We talked about the temple being cleansed was the son of God removing the leaven from the house, which is a prophetic yeah. fulfillment of, of Passover. The command that God had given Moses to give to the children of Israel to remove all the leaven out of their house. And they would have to keep this as a perpetual feast forever. And so when Jesus comes into the house, he is the ruler of the house. He is the master of the house. And he kicked all that leaven out. He was preparing the house for the Passover celebration. But only the 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 the, the, the crowd that Nicodemus was hanging out with now, because they heard what John had said about, you know, there's one that's among you. You don't know him. And then all of a sudden Jesus announces himself. And, and it caught the attention of Nicodemus. And, and and that night, after that tumultuous day in the temple when Jesus overturns the tables and starts talking crazy things like tearing down the temple and I'll raise it up in three days, you know, all that stuff, man. By this time, it had built into such a crescendo. And, and, and then we come to the story that we've been exploring in part two. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And, and you know, I, I was thinking, uh, we laid all that again. And we did a little bit yesterday, but today we really explored. This all transpired in a matter of a little less than 28 years. Now, that sounds like a lot to some people. But if you're an old man like me, <laughs> you know how much time. And that doesn't that goes by really quick, man. I mean, just for those yeah. of you who were alive in 2001 when the two towers fell, I mean, that's that's right. a good and that, That's 20 years ago, right? 20 years. Yes. Uh, that, yeah. So so don't think that these stories we just went over, ah, oh, 20 years, 20 plus years, man. No, no, it went by quickly. And yeah. and, and the things that happened kept their attention. And, and that's what propelled Nicodemus. It's really extraordinary. Because right. he wasn't sensed by, 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 the, by the consensus of the crowd, right, or the ruling elite. Remember what Jesus taught us? That no man can come to the Lord except the Father draws him. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, and so it says there was a man in verse chapter 3, verse 1. This is now we're here. And, and we're going to close real quick here. But it's, <laughs> uh, that took an hour to get to that point. <laughs> so, <there's> a, <laughs> so, so there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus. And and what Jesus yeah. reveals in John chapter six is no man can come to Jesus except the Father draws him. I think this is really extraordinary as we get ready to close because we'll pick it up from here tomorrow, uh, Lord willing. And we'll I promise you we'll get to, <laughs> Lord willing we'll get to, to what Jesus really meant by God so loved the world and what he meant by revealing to Nicodemus that just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, what he was saying when he talked about that God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would, might be saved. But that if, if, if you didn't believe on him, uh, that, that you were already condemned and, and that judgment is abiding on you. And, and he's really getting deep here with Nicodemus. And like Brother Fernando was talking, it, it is speaking to our time, speaking to our day, because the same circumstances have happened. When Nicodemus comes at night, Remember, with all the stuff we've been talking about, doing the best we can uh, to try and describe it, and then culminating with that day during Passover when Jesus came into the house and overthrew all the tables and you know, whipped those guys out of there so the house would be clean. 
for the for the slaying of the Passover lamb the next day. Um, it's extraordinary because the in-between that night, like we talked about last night, that all of this was leading up to it. All that we described is is propelling Nicodemus forward. He 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 was probably thirty in his mid thirties when 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 the first signs began to happen. Now he's in his late fifties, early sixties, and he's been paying attention. He's been being moved by God. What's extraordinary to me as well is that this will be the same Nicodemus who stands up and defends Jesus after Jesus yes. uh, interu- interrupts their feast, right? And 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 in the middle of the feast near his crucifixion time now. He goes to the Feast of Tabernacles, I believe it was, and he uh, stands up in the midst of the feast and says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. We'll, we'll look at that as well in the in the next session probably. But Nicodemus, this created such a stir in the temple, Nicodemus had to defend Jesus. And then Nicodemus would be the one who would bring the spices with Joseph of Arimathea to, to bury the king in his tomb. So something got a hold of him, and we know that was the Spirit of God that all that was transpiring in his generation began to work on him. This is a holy man, too. We're not talking about some crazy guy like me. <laughs> he was the holy man, <laughs> you know. So for him to come to this place, especially at the station of life he was at, it's extraordinary to me. And it's the spirit that's that's pulling him toward Christ. And what this tells me, because the Bible's very explicit the way John writes it, he came at night, Right. Nighttime is always symbolic of, of, of a foreboding of, of, of events that are that are of a great weighty nature. Uh, many things that that transpire, uh, prophetically speaking, took place at night in the Bible, and and here I think that's why John was using those words led by the Holy Spirit. For our day, the application is this: God is dealing with you and me, and there's something drawing us drawing us out from everything that could possibly have been keeping us in our sedentary world, that so many things have been happening over the years now. We're not just talking about COVID-19 now. I mean, if we go all the way back to to, to 2001, when the 21st century began, uh, you know, 1999 ended with everybody freaking out that the whole world was going to blow up because of Y2K, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember that. Right? Oh, yeah. Right, and then we went right in two years later to the to the whole world changing, the two towers coming 9/11. down, the Pentagon being blown up, right, nine eleven, and then mm-hmm. the whole world is, has been at war ever since, really, and all that's transpired in the in between and where we find ourselves now, a very volatile dark night. Many signs have been being happening, like we've been talking about happened in this day. We know the Lord is coming again. And like Brother Fernando pointed out, there will be another John the Baptist-like ministry. I think it's already begun. I think the message is that you're going to be able to identify uh, as being truly from God will be the messages that are proclaiming that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is on his way. But in the interim, we're going to have Nicodemus-like moments. This has been the culmination of multiple years in his life. But something is drawing him towards the Lord. He still has a destiny. He still has a ministry to fulfill. It's going to cost him everything in the end. But he will forever be identified as the one who who was drawn by uh, to the Lord by his spirit at the most crucial time in human history. He came to Jesus at night. And and it's really an extraordinary thing that Jesus begins to, to reveal to him. And, and like tomorrow, we'll talk about it. Because Jesus hits him right between the eyes. And says, you've been seeing, but you don't see, right? Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, I say, truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's, it's an incredible thing to consider that what led him to that meeting that night, what drew him out and, and put his whole reputation and his station at life at, at, at risk was an undefinable draw by the Spirit to this magnificent Son of the living God and and the one who had purged the temple and the debate that that uh, ignited within the very highest echelons of the national power elite and, and this great 
and yet at that point arrogant spiritual ruling class who identified itself all the way back to Moses, for goodness sake. This is Nicodemus. These are his people. But there was something about this one they called Jesus. And what we've concluded, Jesus, in verse 2, you're a teacher from God. You've got to be. Because we've heard of the miracles you've done, and no one can do this except God be with him. But that's when Jesus hits him between the eyes and says, you're not seeing things correctly like we talked about yesterday. It's not that God is with me, he said. It's that God is with you. My name is Emmanuel, right? God is with us. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. And he says, Nicodemus, when you get born again, you're going to see it. And until you're born again, you can't see it. But you got to be born from above. And that's what I've come to do is to make a way for all who will allow that to happen. Because if you will, you will see it. And not only will you see it, but I'll bring you into the next level. You'll enter into the kingdom of heaven on that grand and glorious day. Nicodemus by night, so much more there than we've ever realized. And, and, and tomorrow we pray we'll bring this to a conclusion as we head into this 4th of July week in this most volatile nighttime that our nation and the world has seen. Since the days, quite possibly, of the first coming of the Lord. He's coming again. And the question is, are you born again? Do you know him as your Savior? Are you walking close to him? He's drawing you. Will you say yes to him today? Brother Jeremy, would you finish this out? My, my. What a, what a way to end this podcast. I believe uh, sensing the presence of God throughout this podcast that is what Marty was speaking at the end. And that's what he wants to become, Emmanuel, God with you, God with us. If you have a void in your life, if you've been running from God, I'm speaking to the listener, and God has drawn you to these podcasts, God is calling you. God is calling you back unto himself. We want you to know that God loves you. And that he's calling you back home. We pray that you've been blessed today. We look forward to being with you tomorrow. And to continue our study on Nicodemus coming at night to Jesus Christ. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.